Grick the Many was once just Grick. So very lonely. There was no place for him, so he spent years in isolation, walking aimlessly across barren wastelands, forests, and mountain ranges. One fateful day, Grick found two identical-looking humans, arguing yet speaking in unison. He found the whole situation confusing. One serious clubbing with a sharp rock later, the situation was so much easier to understand. His attention caught a glowing ring that had a reflective surface. The Arfak called out to Grick, urging him to wear it. So he did. Clutching the ring, Grick felt the potential of something he never truly considered. The chance to be alone no more. The opportunity latched around his mind until he reached out with the ring. On the third attempt, Grick stood staring at Grick. One moment later, Grick was joined by Grick. Grick, Grick and Grick. Grick wasn't alone anymore. In fact, Grick wasn't even Grick. He was Grick the Many. Hello and welcome to Making a Monster, the weekly podcast where game designers show us their favorite monster and we discover how it works, why it works, and what it means. I'm Lucas Zellers. The starter adventure in the last two editions of Dungeons & Dragons began with the same encounter, goblin attack. These evil little gremlins ambush you, now fight for your barely capable lives. The heroic fantasy genre gives its audience characters who progress from stopping the smallest threats like goblins to the largest ones like demon princes and undead wizards, but tabletop role-playing games allow their worlds to progress without the character's interaction. These games don't need to wait for players to trigger a quicktime event or load the next stage like a video game does, which means in these worlds, the monsters can level up too. My guest on this final episode of Making a Monster Season 1 created a series of goblins who transcend the usual first encounter use of the creature in Runa and Ulfgar's Compendium of Big Boss Epic Goblins. Hello, I am Matthew Whitby. I am an author on the DMs Guild and the host of the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse, which is a weekly podcast where I chat with people on the DMs Guild. But mostly I'm an author for adventures and in my mini adventures, I'm quite fond of inserting in exciting monsters or challenges that players might have never faced before. Of the monsters in those 30 products that you've released, what's your favorite and why? Oh, yeah, this, again, this, this was a tough one. One of the products that I, 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 I'm really proud of was, was a collaboration on Runa and Ulfgar's compendium of Big Boss Epic Goblins, which was essentially a brainchild that kind of stemmed from the idea of people like goblins, but goblins, they run out of like threats or, or being like a, anything meaning, plus like level five. Sure, you can maybe get like some giants and have you know, like goblins scaring them out, but the goblins themselves aren't like the big threat. So that was like a collaboration with myself, Adam Hancock, and Jimmy Merritt, edited by Ryan Langer. And between the three of us, we, we came up with, I think, what was it? It was like 20 big boss epic goblins. One of the ones that I wrote was, was called Grick the Many. And it was a goblin that had a, a particular artifact, the Ring of Many Selves. Essentially, it was a ring that was designed to create a copy of yourself, much like a simulacrum. However, this artifact in its creation was twisted and there were complications. So in the fact that despite you sort of create a copy of yourself, both versions of you share the same subconscious. 
or brain waves, or like essentially you create your own hive mind. This one goblin who wears this ring, who has now created, like they're, they're not a singular goblin, they are a mass of, of goblins. And out of all the other people who have had this ring of many selves, Grick has somehow managed to sort of overcome it and become essentially the master of many. What the kind of design ethos was, was the fact that it, they're, 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 they're stuff people like about goblins. And it's, it's the idea that they're, they're, they are, that they, they, if it is like just that sort of like comedic relief or just the nature of how goblins are to sort of show the potential arc of like, well, I mean, the players are leveling up. The players are getting to like level 10, 15, 20 and getting all these powerful abilities. I'm sure there's got to be some means for which goblins to also follow in their suit. That's an expectation because at the end of the day, players are probably by the time they hit 15 to 20, they're so used to stomping goblins that if they come face to face with any of these, any, any particular, they're going to be like, oh, this isn't just a goblin. This is at least Greek the many's case of like, oh, this is a lot of goblins. <laughs> this is, a, this is an, I'll be honest, this is an excessive amount of goblins. <laughs> <laughs> When you were putting this together, were there any influences on your thought process or other stories or tropes that you can identify that you were drawing on? I think I got, I got thinking about the idea of like, what about like, wouldn't that, wouldn't that, that just be cool? Like to take uh, swarms of fun, the fun to deal with. What if we could somehow like make a goblin swarm and then that kind of like reverse engineering of like, okay, well, how do you get a swarm of goblins? And I was like, well, if they happen to all share the same subconscious and then it's like, well, okay, well, they, they need a leader or something. And so that's a Greek. Swarm mechanics are one of those things that are in the book that uh, probably you could be a veteran player of the game and not at all know how this works. Mm-hmm. Can you fill us in on what makes yeah. a swarm in fifth edition? Yeah, so so essentially it is a a kind of like a weird. It's a well, it's a stat block that kind of has the ability to occupy another space of any other creature. Typically, they're like a their size is like, for example, the Grick Swarm, which is essentially any goblin that isn't Grick or like one of the many clones is a Grick Swarm. They count as a huge swarm of small humanoids, and that's kind of how you sort of identify them. Combat-wise, they typically only have like one attack action. And that damage is is 20, uh, 48 plus two bludgeoning damage or 11, 2d8 plus two if the swarm is half its hit points or fewer. So essentially it is a, a creature that is strength is tied to its current hit points. And I believe it's kind of hit points is, is I believe for it, we have it as like 40d6. So I think that's probably to equate to I don't know if it is 40 goblins. I don't know how many uh, in a huge... I, I'm trying to think of logistics of how many goblins you could fit into a huge size. Depends <laughs> on how close you pack them, I guess. I'm curious what you want players to feel when they encounter Grick. Oh, that... I think, I think what Grick is, is... Grick is an interesting one because he... They, or I guess they fill that gap uh, of like of being a never-ending horror to almost a, a, a comedic opponent, depending on how it suits your campaign, because there is the idea a goblin that just never, there is no end to it. It's not a case of when uh, or how Grick the many consumes you or overwhelms you. It's a, just a matter of time because there are thousands or hundreds of, of every goblin that has 
differing thoughts, differing feelings, differing sensations, that they are just insane. At that point, they no longer fear pain because they constantly feel it. If you imagine a Grix form, there are goblins at the bottom being smushed on by the goblins at the top. And, and every goblin is feeling that. When you kind of think about it, it's, it's pretty messed up in, in like the nicest way. I think as well, if you just see a swarm of goblins, you can't spot the original Grick from them. And that's kind of reflective in their stat block, the fact that they can willingly hide between swarms, making them the hardest to sort of pick out. And that, that's kind of what makes them so challenging is, is the fact that you can't just single out Grick. There's, there's no end. There's, there's, so, there's so many Gricks. <laughs> horror and comedy or comedy and tragedy comedy and most things kind of go hand in hand and yeah I, th I think again you you have the advantage with running campaigns to lure people in with with a sort of comical opening and then when you you know think about the realistic situation of kind of what's being presented with it's it's hard not to see that horror it's the idea that at this point does Grick even exist anymore or is Grick all the Gricks does this goblin have any I like sense of self anymore or have they lost themselves in being one of a, a thousand identical looking goblins which i feel like you could draw some parallels in other <laughs> maybe there's some maybe some real life parallels in maybe again i'm learning maybe i went deep in this maybe this is my, my subconscious screaming out <laughs> it is <laughs> they say that comedy is a wide shot and tragedy is a close-up so you're right, we start with a comedy opening and the further you get into it, the more meaning and, and emotion you find. And at the bottom of that, where it flips and where I think you just left off is, does Grick the Many give us a metaphor that we can use to understand the world that we live in? On the surface level, I suppose, you can see the parallels between the lengths Grick went to in finding a group to sort of associate themselves with that they've lost all sense of self. And again, maybe, again, maybe if Grick was more, more self-confident and, and comfortable in, in, in their own shoes and possession of sharp pointy rocks, they wouldn't have stepped the path that led them to being just one of what one of thousands. I think, yeah, I, I, I don't know if that is a, a, a lesson in itself. And I don't even know if that was like an intended lesson from the get-go. I, I, it's that's another thing. It's like it's it, it's interesting even as the author. I honestly don't know if it was just like, hey, I just want to you know throw some goblin swarms at people, or if like some sort of subconscious level there's me thinking that it, in writing the backstory and you know who this who Grick the Many is, yeah, maybe 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 there's 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 more to it there. That is a good question. You have successfully stumped me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have. Honestly, I'm going to keep pretty much all of that. One more thing about goblins. D&D &D uses goblins in a very particular way, and we've talked about that. I wonder if in your experience you've been introduced to other iterations or uses of the term goblin or the creature goblin, and maybe why they would have gotten into this game. Ooh, I guess, so what I kind of find kind of interesting about at least the, the, the goblins presented within D&D &D is, is they are quite versatile. And you do have the option to just make them like this sort of child snatching, just just diabolically evil little gremlins. Or you do have them as like essentially a more self-aware, more sort of like cell sword esque And alternatively, it's the fact of what I've, I've in my like 
digging into the law, the goblins of the Feywild are completely different. For example, you there are gob- most some of the goblins within the Feywild as a fact used to be evil aligned creatures that were taken to a essentially the goblin kingdom of the Feywild and converted into goblins just magically like converted like that and it's interesting to think of like yeah like a race of people who are goblins but weren't born as goblins Mm -hmm. and how that kind of impacts the way they way they act so i'm I'm not quite sure if i've answered answered your question exactly other than just saying i yeah i i I think that's what i like about goblins is is how versatile they are where do you want people to go to find more of what you do or or get in touch with you and the things that you do yeah. yeah, so the best place to kind of hear about everything I do is, is, is Twitter. Chances are you will find me on there and live. <laughs> like, actually, actually, I will, chances are my phone will be in my hand whenever you send a tweet at me. And that's at Whitby Writes. But other than that, if you just search on the DMs Guild for Matthew Whitby, who I am, yeah, you can find a list of, of, of all my products. And my newest product, Tykes Torment, is out. I, I'd highly recommend people picking up. We've put this, yeah, a charming little god, god, uh, god and goddess adventure. And over the next few days, my next product, which is Madam Madam Eva's Tarocca deck of friends, foes, and fortunes, that's that's coming out very soon. So so yeah, yeah. Please please watch me, uh, follow me on Twitter to hear about all that. Great. If you want to confuse and amuse the players in your game with Grick the Many, you can find him in Runa and Ulfgar's Compendium of Big Boss Epic Goblins on the DMs Guild, and there is, of course, a link in the description. Matthew and his collaborators volunteered this product to be part of the Keep Playing It Forward program, which offers community copies to gamers at reduced prices so people can keep playing even if money is tight. So follow that link in the show notes to get a copy of the compendium at 50 90 or even 100% off. And also one thing I do with most of my products is I have the full preview so they can see the entire book in its in its entirety. Well, thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to recommend this. I had a great time reading this book and I'm really excited for people to see it. Thanks for listening to Making a Monster. The opening music in this episode is from Will Savino. It's called Something is Amiss. Find out more at patreon.com slash musicd20. This has been the final episode of Making a Monster's first season. This show has surprised me over and over again in the passion and joy my interviewees have brought to their craft and the depth of meaning and cultural scholarship available in the stories that we tell together. I hope the show has given you the inspiration and the tools to play more meaningful and memorable games, and I hope you'll join me for season two in 2021. In the meantime, there may be some bonus episodes. There's a lot of pieces of these interviews I haven't released yet. And I have some upcoming appearances on other podcasts that you can watch for. Find it all at scintilla.studio slash monster. And if you want to make the show better in its second season, you can find me on coffee at ko-fi.com slash sparkotter. I'll see you next year.